All right, this is Jack Donovan, author of The Way of Men, and you are listening to Start the World. Uh, my first guest today is Tanner Guzzi. Uh, he runs a style business uh, called Masculine Style, uh, runs a successful consulting business. He's also the author of a book that I would recommend titled The Appearance of Power. And uh, I had Tanner on the show first because he's actually one of my favorite persons, people to talk to. Uh, which surprised a lot of people. Uh, in many ways, we couldn't be more different. Uh, Tanner is a Mormon. He has a wife and four kids. I'm a pagan and, you know, kind of the rock Hudson of the manosphere. And, uh, you know, the thing about Tanner that we get along so well is that we are both extremely passionate about the power of visual symbolism and the importance of beauty. And uh, so I was thinking about this the other day. So Tanner, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jack. I'm, I'm really excited to do this because we've done this unofficially so many times and now to like really have a thread is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, all right. So I want to start with uh, something that you do to troll uh, your Instagram <laughs> audience. <laughs> And you did it yesterday and I saw it and it's, uh, Tanner puts up all these uh, images of like really elaborate men's warrior costumes. And, and this is something I've noticed for years as well. And then uh, writes underneath it, real men don't care about what they look like. And uh, you know, I, th I think it's a great little troll because you hear that all the time. And it's ridiculous, and I don't know where it comes from. I think that maybe men heard it from women. You know, it, in, in many ways, it's a blue-collar thing that, mm -hmm. you know, the upper only the upper class cares what they look like, and we get our hands dirty. And mm -hmm. then, you know, in, I also think it's, you know, like I said, I think it bleeds over for women to a certain extent because I think women and gay men to a certain extent like to have this uh, idea of a real man as being this, unthinking unconscious brute that savages you yes and so it that, that person can't be self-aware in any way they just have to be like a series of grunts and you know but <laughs> they uh, just manifest his beauty without putting any effort into it exactly yeah. they just appear that way like by mm -hmm. accident you know so so why did you start doing this uh you know aside from what we just talked about Really, because it was one of those things that as I started writing masculine style, I started talking about the appearance of power and why men should be concerned with the way that they look. That was the most frequent response that I would ever get. And it's funny to me because I remember 10 years ago when I first started, I would go on to these different forums or these blogs and it was all this kind of stuff that you and I have been talking about forever, how to become a better version of yourself. And what masculinity is versus what it isn't. And always, always the highest engagement threads were the ones that were talking about, here's what a real man looks like. And it was always these factions of, well, we dress like Cary Grant or it's in the forties or no real men don't care how they look or all. And it was so funny to me because if you didn't care that much, you wouldn't be 15 pages deep into a comment thread trying to convince other people that you don't care. You would just ignore it. Nobody would be talking about this stuff because it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, as you often uh, also say, uh, if you don't care about what you look like, 
that is also that also comes across. Mm-hmm. And uh, right. you know, and and I think it is easy. You know, people if, if they're in college and they're just wearing sweatpants or whatever, then that's fine. But I think that you get to a point in life where you're supposed to you you want to give off a certain look. You want to give yeah. off a certain presence. And uh, their expectations, especially as you're older or you're a leader of something or, or, you know, people come to you, if you're a business owner, you know, people come to you and they have a certain expectation that you're going to look like you have your shit together. And right. so if you're in, in a pair of like college sweatpants, uh, you know, that's, that's not communicating that. And that, it just Absolutely. makes people respect you less, right? Well, and it's funny because it goes through this whole cycle because you're right, you see that in young kids especially college kids or something else where there's that way. And then you get into the world where you need to make it in print and you, you do look for things like authority and credibility and respect. And then you have a lot of men who jump off on the other end. I had a guy on Twitter the other day who told me he used to be in suits and ties all the time. Now he's retired and he loves that he can wear polo shorts or polo shirts and cargo shorts all the time. And nobody cares because that's what's comfortable. And really what he is grateful for is he now lives in a world where he has the comfort of zero expectations and aesthetically he can now signal that of you don't get to have any expectations of me. I don't have to have any expectations of me. I've arrived and this is, this is what you get is me having peaked at whatever points in my life. Yeah. 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 Now that there, there is kind of an, a flip side of that, that I, I've noticed just maybe it's just a West coast thing. Uh, in LA, uh, there was always kind of a rule like that. The person who's in jeans and t-shirts is probably a millionaire and all the people who are trying to look really good around them are not. Right. You know, but yeah, because they're focused on other things, but right. uh, you, know, you can kind of Which tell is still they're an still intentional wearing like a pair of jeans, but uh, you know, exactly. Yeah. But uh, no, that's, that's all the guys. Cause one of the other more common arguments that you get, especially now is, well, Zuckerberg was successful, even though he dresses like a bum. And it's like, okay, well, yes, one, he does. But two, he was successful in spite of that, not because of that. Otherwise, every programmer who just wore crappy gamer t-shirts and baggy sweatpants would be worth billions of dollars. And that's not the case. Right. And two, he is spending $400 on his jeans and $200 on his t-shirts. This is a very intentionally curated aesthetic that may have started off haphazard, but it has been maintained. It's part of his brand. It's part of his, the whole tech revolution of the middle finger to the old paradigm of what business in the world used to be. And they will reject you if you wear a three-piece suit just as vociferously as somebody who was in banking 50 years ago would have rejected you for showing up in sweatpants and a t-shirt. So they still care. It's just a different signal that matters. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, let's dial it back a little bit. How did you actually get started talking about this? So I've been hypersensitive to it for most of my life because there's a couple of different things. One, having a unique last name like Guzzi, my family was always pretty aware of our reputation and how we represented each other. And we were kind of taught that way. And I remember as a kid, my mom would dress us up to go to school and I hated tucking in my t-shirt to my cuffed up jeans because this was like 1994 and that's what you wore. But she was very insistent on that. Then in about 10 years later, I went to a private school 
and it was the expectation of gray slacks, a white button-up shirt, and a rep tie. But I was interested in BMX bikes and punk rock. I wanted to have green Liberty spikes and have battle jackets with band patches and suspenders and, you know, plaid pants and my Doc Martens and everything else. And so I was in these two worlds and had these two very contrasting ideas and identities. And both of them were very focused on what you looked like. Who you were was very much represented by how you dressed. And so it was this juxtaposition between these two that's made me always aware of it. And so as I got older and I kind of moved away from the punk rock stuff, I had the same thing that you just talked about, that transition of just being a punk kid, but to realizing that I needed to be able to look like an adult if I wanted to succeed and I needed to change my style to reflect my ambitions. I just started writing about it as a way to kind of share what my own, my own experience was. And it's resonated with a lot of men. And so it's been fun to watch that blow up. I, I just remember when I was in Orlando and uh, I happened to be surrounded by a table of your clients. And uh, it, it was really interesting to talk to them because a lot of them are software engineers and, and, uh, and just regular guys. And they had come to you realizing that they, they could look better and they could be, you know, some of them are newly divorced. They need to go back in the dating world or something like that. And, and uh, they realized that they need to come off better. And uh, they really liked what you did with them because you looked at their wardrobe and their lives and what situation that you had, they had to be in. And that's a really good way, I think, for anybody to think about it because, uh, you, know, you know, even for me, I mean, I, I was thinking, I'm like, well, when I go to Switzerland, Mm -hmm. <laughs> like what like I'm going to be in this kind of hotel and I'm going to be doing this kind of thing. Like yep. what do I need to have to go and do all those things? Yep. And so tell me a little bit about how you came up with that uh, concept and how you work with these guys and help them find uh, a better wardrobe without, you know, spending all their money and following shitty trends. Yes. So it's been fun to figure that out over the years because I started the way a lot of guys in my industry do, which is basically a stylist where it's, let's pick out a business casual wardrobe for you. That's one of like the same four that I give to everybody else. And then you go buy these clothes that I recommend and you know, we're good. Except the problem was, is I would follow up with my clients six months later and like 80% of them were wearing the same clothes they were before we started working together. And so I would dive deeper with these guys and it's like, okay, well, you know, tell me why we had all this stuff. You looked great. You were, you were more stylish. What's the problem? And it's, where am I going to wear a sport coat? You know? Yeah. I'm, I look better in a, in a sport coat, but I, I run a, I run a landscaping company where, why am I, why would I wear this? You know, or I work, I work in software. What am I doing with these great dress shoes when everybody else is in sneakers? And so it was through, unfortunately, a lot of trial and error with some of my early clients that I came to realize that, that more than anything, especially because when you start paying attention to anything related to men's style, you'll hear the mantra that fit is king. And especially as we started to move away from baggy stuff into slimmer stuff, everybody's just like, just make your clothes skinny and, and then you're stylish. Hey, it looks good. And that's not the case at all. Context is king. Context and understanding who you are, what your environment is, what the signals you want to send, who the audience is, how you take who you are on the inside and manifest that externally. That's how you dress really well. That's how you create a really good, authentic and congruent sense of style that when you see yourself in the mirror, 
you see the best version of yourself looking back at you instead of this monkey who's a mannequin for somebody else or this bum who's never progressed from who he was when he peaked in high school or when he started college. And so it's taking all of these external and internal cues and putting them together to create a very unique and personal sense of style that you feel great and people treat you the way you want to be treated while you're wearing it. Interesting. Okay, and so how do you think that this fits in to the bigger project of, I guess, empowering men sounds sounds cheesy. Right. But, uh, in, 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 but really, we are, uh, because people spent so many decades empowering women. Mm -hmm. And uh, men just kind of followed along and really are at a very confused place in society. Right. And so you and I and uh, a lot of the speakers at the 21 convention and a bunch of other guys are actually starting to realize that men are really lost. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I started giving advice to a very different group of men. And then I realized that, wow, all men are lost. Mm -hmm. There's a real problem and a real need out there. Uh, how do you think helping them with, uh, you know, their outward appearance uh, feeds into this, this bigger picture of, a change maybe that we're trying to create in society? That's a fun question because from the surface, it just looks like it's a surface thing. It's just vanity. It's just, you know, the, the icing on the cake. And for some people that is, but what's cool as I found is it doesn't matter where you are on this journey of self-optimization or self-empowerment or whatever the term is that we want to use it because for the guys who are just getting started, it's really nice to have a pretty easy win because if you think about going to the gym or getting better with women or developing a more marketable skill set or anything else, those are all absolutely much more important than the clothing you put on your body. And those also could take a very long time to see results in. And so it could feel like you're in the slog and why are you putting in all this energy and this effort when you're not actually seeing any returns on the investment, but with your clothing, you can get that done in a matter of weeks, if not faster. And so it's a very quick and an easy win that a lot of guys can glom onto. And then it gets that momentum starting to work for them instead of against them. So for guys who are coming in at it from that beginner level, it works really well from there. The other thing that I think from that same beginner that's really good about this is it gives you the opportunity to experience a little bit of social risk. We live in such a comfort-induced world that any risk is gone, right? It's gone. If you even are social risk, because it used to be, yeah, the industrial revolution and civilization eliminated a lot of the need for physical risk. We could outsource violence. You could outsource all these other things. But even when we were kids growing up, you still had to engage in social risk where if you were going to call a girl, maybe her dad was going to answer the phone or your friends would see you in school and you had to engage with learning how to interact with them that way. But with things being the way they are with the internet and online, it's gone. All risk is gone, which means we don't get the victories because why would you, why would you take the chance of getting the victories when you have these huge potential losses? So we just stay in this comfort zone of mediocrity and complacency. But style is one of those things that is a very out there and a very socially projected way of taking on some risk so that a lot of these guys can learn, one, the rewards are awesome. And two, if I do screw it up, it's not as scary as I think it is. Okay. So yeah. from that perspective, it works really well for these guys. 
Yeah, it, it fits into actually the bigger picture in a way, in the sense of like, a, there used to be very rigid expectations of what everybody had to wear. Mm -hmm. In much the same way, there used to be rigid expectations of what a man actually is. Exactly. And, and what his role is and so forth. And uh, now, you know, there are no expectations, you know, that, that, that saying everything is permissible. And, uh, you know, you, everyone can just look like a slob and no one's really going to judge you. I mean, right. There, there's a social circle where someone will judge you, but you don't have to be in it. I mean, exactly. You I just mean, find another circle. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I make fun of my town all the time. I mean, people literally go to the grocery store in pajamas. Like mm -hmm. most of the people in town <laughs> go to yeah. the grocery store yeah. in pajamas, you know? Right. And, because uh, why wouldn't they? Because those are the, they don't, there's no expectations for them to rise up to meet. Absolutely. And you know, I'm just as bad. I mean, I had a, well, I was sick. I was telling you I was sick and I, I went to the grocery store the other day with um, like a barbarian hat on like, askew and i'm like in sweatpants and a sweater just buy, buying stuff and i actually had there was one i don't know where she came from but one very put together like older woman mm -hmm. and just looked at me like i was a piece of trash you're so <laughs> disgusting <laughs> <laughs> thank you ma'am i appreciate your judgment <laughs> yeah 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 i was just funny i'm like I, of all people with me but i was i was, I was like the, uh, kind of amusing but uh you know so like yeah like you said uh that is the challenge of of masculinity in the modern world is that it's not necessary and it's not, not required and so it's a choice. And that's been a big part of my message for the past several years is that it's a choice and it's for you mm -hmm. because it's, no one really cares. No one really right. cares what you do. You can be a slob, you can lay around, you can be 500 pounds, the government will take care of you. You don't have to do anything. Right. And, and so this is all for you and your spiritual development. Mm -hmm. Really. And so, you know, in many ways, what you're doing is just another piece of that. You know, you can decide, you can look like this amazing guy, or you can be a slob. Right. Because that's the other thing is I get most of the guys who work with me come at it from the other end where they're not just starting on this, but they've mm -hmm. got their fitness dialed, they've got their finances dialed, right. they've got social dynamics and relationships really unlocked. And then they realize that their style is all the way down here. And it's mm -hmm. like, no, this is totally incongruent. And I've made all these changes in my life. But when I see myself in the mirror, I still look like the guy I was before I started to make all these changes. Yes, I'm in a little bit better shape. But a lot of times you can't even see that through the clothes because they're the clothes I wore when I was fat or when I was too skinny or whatever else. And so it is, it becomes more glaringly obvious when you don't have it in comparison to the, all the, all the other virtues and the strengths that you do have. And you won't be able to see all those other things reach their full potential if you don't have your aesthetics and your appearance on lockdown too. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would, uh, you know, make an argument, which I'm not really very sensitive to this anymore, but, uh, an argument that, uh, a lot of this is just, you know, very consumeristic. Mm, yeah. Uh, I can know, see that. You know, I could see You're not that, your khakis. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, that maybe right. people would make that. But then again, you know, like, I, as you said, you know, men have always cared what they look like. Yeah, because so that's not, not the point that, that we're making. We're not saying that if you buy the latest brand or right. follow, jump on the latest trend, then now all of a sudden you have an identity and you can 
finally feel good about yourself and people will like you. And because that's, that's a problem when guys think that, and you see guys who are brand whores or they're trend hopping and they're doing all this stuff because they're looking for this external validation to solve an internal problem. Yeah. But good style is internally derived and it's that manifesting. And that's another reason why it's so powerful is you're taking your internal world and you're having the audacity to project it onto other people and make them experience what your world is. You're forcing your visuals and your aesthetics onto them. That of all conversations for him to come up with, but uh, uh, my, my, my friend Rex just popped into my mind because he, you know, he has his Teflon uh, horns implanted in his head and so forth. And he, he always used to say the, uh, what, my external uh, my externality is a visual representation of my internal landscape yes <laughs> something. and that is for most of us <laughs> yeah well i mean it should be and in many cases i don't think it, it you know it, it is as much I, I definitely think that way mm-hmm. um i i've been telling guys for years especially guys who were you know, maybe on a more political end of the spectrum or who have a great message and my saying for years has been you have to be a vessel for the message Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you have to be able to represent this idea that you're bringing across because no one wants to hear about, you know, it's me, for example, no one wants to hear about masculinity from a slob. Right. You know, no one wants to hear it's about totally incongruent. Yeah. Yeah. You have to, you know, what you have to embody these ideas. And so right. it is important. It, it, it does matter. Well, on the other side, the, the other side gets that because the the erosion of masculinity did not just happen with people writing very well thought out and rational blog posts over the last 40 years it's happened because of art and film and music and culture and all these other things that are largely emotional and aesthetic but it creates a vehicle for whatever their message is and if all we're doing because we're so hyper autistic that it's like, no, I'm on 4chan or no, I'm writing blog posts or no, I'm tweeting about this stuff. It's like, okay, you're not going to do anything that has any real meaning to it because there's no, your kids aren't going to want to grow up to be an edge poster on Twitter. Nobody's going to care about that. You have to give them something to aspire to. And we aspire to things that look awesome or look beautiful or look aspirational. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, you know, another thing that I've been, all we've been saying is that we compete with Hollywood. Yeah. In the marketplace of ideas, we compete with Hollywood. And so if you, if you have a message that is counter to something that you see in Hollywood, you, it's, it's your job to be as close as you can. And and we have the technology now. I mean, there was years ago, I mean, you couldn't compete with that in any way. But those kids are down. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm sitting here with, with lights around me. I remember when I first started taking photographs, um, on film mm-hmm. <laughs> back in the day. Yep. Uh, it, I used to take them down to the, the Walgreens to have them developed in, in an hour. And uh, the lights, I couldn't afford lights. I mean, they, they were like hundreds and hundreds of dollars, real mm-hmm. photography lights. I mean, that was all like way out of what I could afford when I was younger, a young person learning how to do this. And now I can get lights for a hundred bucks. You it's know, easy. like through Amazon, I mean, I can have here the be next there day. in two days. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so we have all this technology. I mean, I was just telling you, obviously, uh, you know, I have this new camera that, uh, you know, takes 
images in 4K and it mm -hmm. looks as good as anything else you'll see when the professionals yep. use. And so if you can compete at that level where you have a, a professional presentation, and of course style is part of that, yep. uh, then you your message is taken more seriously. Yep. And I think that that- it, And it penetrates on an emotional level instead of on just a rational level. So people convert to it even more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and, and this is, this is, this is our nerd zone right here where we actually talk about uh, symbolism and, and, and how yes. it, it influences and the importance of beauty because yep. a lot of, and that's a thing with men that men pretend that they're, they're not supposed to care about beauty. Cause I don't know, I guess it was um, uh, what uh, like assigned like the division of, in the division of labor decorating right. was assigned women got to women. Beauty. So yeah, <laughs> they got beauty. Right. And uh that was which in case. what culture did that happen right 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 only yeah like i said i i maybe all this is is really a consequence of of the industrial revolution and uh you know the kind of class divides that happened as a result of that and so forth yep. because partner that, that up with really the wars that killed emotion in the men that survived them and their need to be able to handle those things and there's so many factors that come into this but ultimately the result is if you care about aesthetics, somehow you're less of a man. And historically, we're the anomaly in that. We're not the norm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, we've, I mean, it, it, almost to the point of chauvinism where you can be like, well, who actually made all the good art in history? You know, yep. like it's, it's all men. Uh, you know, right. like we, we are actually romantics. Uh, that's kind of what we've always done. Yep. And uh, you know, the idea, it's difficult to imagine like how much we've absorbed a caricature of ourselves that actually feminism promoted in a weird way. Mm -hmm. There's this, you know, the, the big trope and you can Because tell again, that, that's what we've been entertained with. That's what's yeah. been presented to us. Yeah. Well, absolutely. And, and the, the, the big trope that I can always recognize when a young feminist is, is copying and she's not actually like thinking is when she brings up John Wayne because no one knows who John Wayne is anymore. But that, <laughs> right? that it's a trope. It's a, it's like this yes. old thing, thing that they've been repeating since people, you know, after the great wars, all the baby boomers had daddy issues and they were mad at their dads because they all liked John Wayne. Right. And they were all mad at their dads. And so that became the big symbol of emotionally closed down. Now, if you actually watch his movies, he's like, he's, he's like, well, I'll, I'll take care of you guys. Right. You know, he's actually a pretty nice guy. Yeah, he's not you know, that. He, he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but he, he became a symbol for some reason of hatred, uh, you know, all these people. And, um, you know, if you really look what he was doing, it really wasn't that bad. And of course, he was just an actor anyway. Right. But, he got uh, paid. The, the dude, I have guys who use him as an example all the time of like, I don't care about how I look masculine. And it's like, you guys realize that he made a living playing dress up. That is literally what he did. Is he play, He made money to play dress up. He absolutely cared how he looked. Yeah, that dude wore a lot of makeup. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, like those costumes were very deliberate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's always what I make fun of him for the same thing. Uh, the same kind of guys. Uh, you know, watch these guys on the NFL uh, every weekend, and those guys yep. are like are groomed to the nines. You know, right? they have like two hundred dollar manicures and like they have stylists and people taking Eric care of everything to do so that they look good, but you're sitting home in your sweatpants worshiping them. Right. And even on a, the most fundamental level, it's the red team versus the blue team. Yeah. There's yeah. the, there's the most 
raw visceral tribalism of we're red and you're blue. And we know that because of the way that we're dressed. Yeah. So tell me that those guys don't care. There's a reason you're wearing that man's name on your back and you're identifying with that tribe. You care. Oh, oh, yeah. That's that. Well, that's a whole different problem. Yes. Get out and do something, dude. Right? Oh, man. Yeah. But um, so I guess what are, what are you working on now? What's the big uh, push for you? Well, that's a fun question because from a business perspective, it's how to do more because, you know, I've had a couple of people ask me, are you, are you planning on writing a follow-up book or, you know, are, are you planning on, are you, are you trying to do something else besides coaching? And no, I'm not planning on doing another follow-up book in that regard, as far as not at least about aesthetics. For me, the big projects are things like, you know, honestly, this is what's kind of fun. And this is, this is ultimately what I want the relationship for my clients, for the other guys who follow me on social media, for other guys to understand is, I don't think about style probably more than most guys do. I don't think about what I'm going to wear in the morning more than most guys do. I think about what I'm on a call with a client and I'm helping them figure that out. But for me, it's a means to an end because my big projects are, how do I make my kids better? How do I take the guys that I'm lifting weights with in my basement in the morning and red pill them on certain things so that they're not just normies? And how do I build a tribe with these guys? How do I take the, the other group of guys that I go out with twice a month and how do we deepen that friendship and deepen that relationship? At the same time, I do have some aesthetic things that I'm working on because, and this is one of the things where I envy you because you you get to start the world. You don't have to be part of the world, right? You get to create your very own aesthetic. You get to, exactly. And the more, the more polarizing that is, the better it is for you, right? If you win from a brand perspective, you win from a personal perspective. And I'm part of not just a tribe of me, especially with my religious affiliations and stuff like this. There's, there's this whole tribe. And I, I want to incorporate more of that into what my own aesthetics and my own identity are as well. Like some of my friends and I, we've joked about things like you do the Latter-day Saint version of the Sikhs who have their turbans and their kippons, like the knives. Yeah. And so, you know, we're going to do boss of the plains hats and Bowie knives or something, you know, like you're just goofing around with stuff like this, but it's, Mm -hmm. how do you incorporate? I want to, I want to figure out my challenge is how do I incorporate more of my identity, my religion, my family, my goals, my aspirations Mm -hmm. into an aesthetic that is a little bit more like yours where it's when somebody sees that they go, okay, he's not just a normie. He's not just part of the rest of this world. There's something else that's going on. Yeah. Because cause clothes do that. You know, they, they do. I mean, they, they separate as much as anything. And that, that's like you said, the Sikhs hats and, and so forth. The, your headgear is telling you, you are not telling me you are not one of us. You know, exactly. Like that's, that's you, yep. you, you've made that very clear. Yep. We took the kids to uh, we took the kids to Disneyland last month, and it was so fascinating to be there and to see all the different people who dress very tribally. You get like the very like super Disney people that they wear all that gear, but then you do see Sikhs who are dressed a certain way and Muslims who are dressed a different way, and 
you know, you've got East Coast versus West Coast and flyover states, and it's all clothing and body fat percentage and all these other, just the way that they walk, or, you know, you have Crocs on, or is it boat shoes, or is it Birkenstocks, or all these little subtle cues that people just kind of gloss over until you learn to be fluent in this language. And I think that's what I want for me and my people is a more unique aesthetic that can separate us from the rest of the world. Now, that's obviously a huge ambition, but it's kind of fun to think about it. How do you do something like that? Yeah. So, so, so just the suits with the little tie and the little name badge isn't doing it for you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. See, that works when you're a missionary. And I did right. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I can see you guys coming. You know? <laughs> totally. Totally. <clears throat> but when you think about it, there's a reason why we do that with the Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Especially now where it's even more of a stark contrast to see 19-year-old kids, clean-shaven, parts in their hair, dark suit with a white shirt and a tie and a name tag. Like, who else is doing that? Of course, it's the Mormons. Here they come. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're working on uh, incorporating that kind of symbolism. And that's why you said you, we, we, we've talked about that. You're like, oh, I want to do something like that above, you know, in my church right. or something like that. Like some of the stuff that I'm, because I'm just experimenting. All the stuff I do is totally experimental. You know, and uh, yeah, you said you've been looking to, who knows, I, I'm going to see like a, a neon Mormon um, sign. Like, <laughs> so pretty I'll, show you, I'll show you one that I just did. So it's this right. ring that I just had made, okay? Right, and right. It very much comes from a conversation that you and I have had where yeah. I took this symbol, which is, it's the seal of Melchizedek. So it represents a priesthood lineage and stuff like that. So that's mm -hmm. in there. And then the stone is a genesis stone it's banded iron and it's the same type of stone that was joseph smith's seer stone that he found and that was part of what he used for the translation process and everything and this is a really good example of that's one of those things that a lot of people within my religion will kind of shy away from because if you're not a member of our church that sounds really weird like he found a, he used a rock to translate golden plates and all this other stuff like i get that there's a level of physicality and mysticism and things like that that don't exist in mainstream religion anymore where it's all just supposed to be spiritual but i love that that's a unique thing about our theology and about our history and so i want to embrace stuff like that and so i wear this as a reminder of those kind of things like where i come from what my responsibilities are the fact that my religion is a physical religion it's not just a you pray and you try to be nice to other people kind of religion mm -hmm. and so it is very much this now expressive symbol that does more for me as the person wearing it and what I see when I see it than it does for somebody else who doesn't even understand what that symbolism is. No, absolutely. I mean, that's something that uh, when I was building walled gang and, and so forth, and, and also obviously in the things that I wear when I speak, I mean, it, people probably made fun of me a little bit that I, I wear these big uh, combat boots. They're logger boots that mm -hmm. on stage, right? Right, um, in Florida, where it looks miserably hot. I know, right? And so I'm, I'm wearing this like like James Bond resort outfit. And then I have these logger boots on. And I just think it's cool to be on stage in, in boots that I've, I've killed a sheep for Odin in. Exactly. You know, you know those, exactly. Sho those shoes have had blood on them. And right, they've earned symbolism. something. Yeah, yep. it's symbolism. The same thing you're talking about. And it... it it adds meaning to life and that it enriches right. life by adding that meaning and bringing it in. And something else you said that I, I think that, you know, people, people bag on Mormonism because they're like, Oh, it's crazy. And the only reason it's crazy is because it's new because all religions, are it's crazy. recent. 
Yeah, exactly. all religions are crazy. They, they, right. they all they all have they all say things that are supernatural because they're religions. Right. You know, but for like, us, it was two hundred years ago instead of four thousand years ago or two thousand years ago. Yeah. Right. Right. Like you know, like okay, virgin birth, da 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 da. Like all the stuff that other people believe is right. You know, you got to embrace that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Catholics, there's bleeding bones of saints and all kinds yep. of, all kinds of stuff. And, and yep. I, I like that in the world. I, I want to live I love in a world it. with a little more magic in it. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know it, it makes it makes life uh, more interesting and and more symbolic. And the way I feel about that kind of stuff uh, is is just if something is meaningful, you don't have to explain it away no and that's the that's the thing that people always want to do and you were taught to do that you know because because science <laughs> and uh you know we we should explain everything away and and uh, and so forth but you don't really get anything out of that no let there be magic in the world especially because we're not omniscient we can't explain everything away nope right and nope. so the idea that we think we can the hubris of thinking that we can mm -hmm. And robbing ourselves of magic and symbolism and everything else is there's a reason why we're technologically and materially thriving, but culturally and spiritually, we're totally dying and starving. And it's because we've totally taken these things that are not mutually exclusive, science and religion, rationality and emotion, beauty and function, but we've created this barrier that they have to be mutually exclusive. And it's a stupid way of living. And, and actually what makes me crazy about this is that the, the people who do this want to find aliens so bad. Right. Why, and, can, you, and, why can you believe in that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they want to find the aliens. And I'm like, you're still looking for God. Right. You're, it's, you still have faith is. in that idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. You still have faith. Like the aliens. And then the aliens will tell us why we exist. But like that's it's the exact same thing. <laughs> it's the same thing. Yep. And, uh, you know, like uh, I used to listen to uh, have, know some guys who were into really into Graham Hancock and and he has these theories about like if he, you know there's the time when the flood happened and that explains all these major religions da, 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 and this is when it happens and this is why and 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 I think it still goes back to aliens and at the end of the day it's like well those things are unknowable because you're talking about before written history so you can't right. say if this affected this at all right good you luck never prove that no but you want to sit and nerd out about it forever and and because somehow it explains your universe yep and, yep. Uh, and it makes yeah. it safe and compartmental and understandable because magic is scary yeah right alchemy is scary symbolism is scary god is scary but if we can make ourselves god if we can make everything bland and quantifiable and boring and safe then it comes back to the same thing that we've been talking about the whole time is it makes it so that we're comfortable in our mediocrity absolutely absolutely Actually, I think that's good. That's a good. That's a that, that's a good end, right? That's a good. End. We yes. went from style to to, to magic. That, that's basically how our conversations go. It's, it's usually how they go. Yep. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Well, you know, is there like I said, is there a, anything that you are uh, working on in terms of events or promoting right now? I know you're doing the twenty one thing. Yep. I'll be keynoting for the next Patriarch Edition, which will be in May. Okay. Yep. And then um, I will be speaking again at the regular convention in October. So those are the, those are the big events planned uh, for the next, for this next year. Yeah. All right. All right, man. Yeah. 
Cool. Well, uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming on uh, my first episode of the, the new podcast. I appreciate it very much. I'm very honored to have been your first guest. So thanks for having me on, dude. All right, man. Great to talk to you. Thanks. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for watching or listening to Start the World. You know, my personal mission is to help men become the best versions of themselves and to, to face some of the challenges that uh, we all face in the, in the 21st century. You know, it's, it's getting weird out there. Uh, so I'm having conversations with other men who are helping men face and overcome these challenges. And that's why I'm so excited about the new season of Start the World. Uh, you know, I have a lot of people scheduled. I'm going to talk to psychologists, therapists, martial artists, coaches, trainers, artists, spiritual leaders, and maybe just some, some fun weirdos. Uh, we're going to try to, to, to put out uh, an episode every week for a while, maybe 30 to 50 episodes this year. Uh, you know, I'm going to get some lavalier mics, maybe do some, uh, some in-person uh, interviews, and uh, maybe even some workout content. Uh, I think a lot of people would actually like that. Uh, you know, if you want to support this podcast or just my work generally, I am uh, I'm writing a book this year that I'm also pretty excited about. Hope, hopefully, it'll come out in the fall. Uh, I'm using Subscribestar. Uh, Subscribestar is an anti-censorship platform. Uh, you can sign up using a link in the show notes or on YouTube or just by typing in subscribestar.com slash Jack Donovan, and it should take you there. So thanks again for watching or listening to Start the World. This is Jack Donovan. Stay solar.